Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Jagmeet Singh keeps alive the possibility of a coalition government. I want to be your prime minister, but whatever Canadians vote for come the 21st of October, I want Canadians to win. And so I'm saying to win, if you vote for New Democrats, we will fight in whatever form the government takes whatever power the people give us to make sure we deliver on the things that people need. With five days until Election Day, the NDP sees support rise at the expense of the Liberals and the Conservatives. It's clear the the leaders of debate, whether the French one or the English one, um, clearly had an impact. I think um, they, they got people thinking. Um, Jagmeet Singh performed well. And after suspending new export permits to Turkey, what will be Canada's next move? We are uh, obviously uh, strongly condemning uh, the Turkish incursion into Syria uh, and very concerned about the situation in the Middle East. Uh, we are engaged uh, diplomatically and at the officials level with uh, all of our allies and we will continue uh, to monitor the situation closely. It's Wednesday, October 16th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by author and op-ed columnist for the Chronicle Herald, Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. We are five days away from Election Day, and I think a lot of people are still wondering what's going to happen. There there are so many moving parts to this, and there are poll trackers showing it's a very close race between the Liberals and the Conservatives. But the one thing that's been happening over and over again is they've both been going down. Yeah, yeah, they've been going down. And really, the story of this election, um, now that we've got a good look at it with only five days to go, the story of the election is the tremendous surge uh, uh, for the Jagmeet Singh and for the NDP, and also the uh, revival of the bloc uh, in Quebec. Uh, so th- those are the stories that are emerging um, much you know, even more so than the liberal and conservative dogfight, which could have been predicted months ago. Uh, I mean, I don't know that everyone saw it as being as close as it is. We didn't know about blackface, for instance, uh, uh, before the uh, campaign started. But, you know, we knew there was going to be a fight to the finish between the liberals and the conservatives. But uh, not very many forecasters were predicting this sort of uh, orange rush and the, uh, you know, bestirring of the Bloc Québécois. Do you think that makes a minority government inevitable? If both the Bloc and the NDP are on the rise, does that make it almost impossible for either the Liberals or the Conservatives to get to 170? Well, it seems like it, doesn't it? I mean, you know, we shouldn't be too uh, confident of the polls. Uh, we shouldn't over-rely on them or think they're going to be accurate down to the uh, you know third decimal point. But every poll I know, all the respected pollsters, are more or less grouped around these similar types of numbers with uh, with uh, you know liberal and conservative support you know statistically tied both within the margin of error of any major poll. And um, and the NDP coming on strong, uh, as well as the Bloc Québécois in Quebec. And, uh, I mean, I'm not really surprised at all that the Greens aren't showing much of a surge, because uh, I'm one of those people who thinks they're never going to go anywhere with the current leader. Um, and also this, the, this sort of claims from the far right that this People's Party were going to rise up, uh, you know, riding a crest of popular anger, 
at the establishment and whatnot, that's not materializing. And as a result, that isn't pos- you know, posing much of a threat to the conservatives on the right. So it, it, there's a lot of moving parts there. A lot of things could happen. But right now, I think the most likely result is a minority government. It's looking a lot like 2004 and 2006 in many ways. Not the same dynamics, obviously, but the same four parties uh, that are that are in play. Um, so, what about the NDP? Do you think that that is sustainable? Is it? Is there a chance that they peak too early? That the bubble could burst? That there could be people shifting back to the Liberals at some point? What do you think about the remaining few days of the campaign for them? Yeah, well, there's so much talk about, you know, strategic voting, so-called strategic voting, um, which is always a bit of a slippery slope because you can't go into a polling booth. And, uh, I mean, I've already voted in the advanced poll, and on my ballot, nowhere did it say minority government, you know. So I can't vote for it. You can't vote for it. Um, And it's kind of a a wish that some people have. you know, and and so that makes the whole thing kind of puts it in flux uh, that people are voting for what they think is going to happen, but they don't really know. And I think election night, we may be all up till four o'clock in the morning uh, trying to sort out what really the significance of all these vote shifts are. Um, and I mean, I think, you know, if the liberals, if, if the liberal support, the weak liberal support, shall we say, if it was starting to flow back into the red column, I think we would have been seeing it by now, and and we're really not. There's absolutely no movement whatsoever. We are hearing a lot of rhetoric from the party leaders about uh, the the scenarios next week and how to avoid the the ones that they don't want. We're hearing uh, uh, Andrew Scheer talk about a majority government, and uh, and we're hearing Justin Trudeau talk about how a vote for the NDP, this is liberal rhetoric more so than a specific quote from Justin Trudeau, but the implication is that a vote for the NDP is helping Andrew Scheer and would help con- elect the Conservatives. So there is going to be a lot of that. Will any of that change anyone's mind? Do you expect any shifting? Is there anything that could still change the outcome of this election at this point? Well, I suppose there could be a, some sort of crazy new bombshell. Um, but, I mean, I, I think the parties have been firing their heavy guns at each other. The war rooms and the, and the rat chasers have been, uh, have been at it already. And, and there was a long, phony war period before the election was even called. Uh, in which a lot of this initial, you know, sparring was taking place. So, I mean, right now, it's it's in it, it kind of in a conventional situation now where all the parties have to get their votes out. they got to get everybody to the polls and, uh, and make sure that uh, everyone who's leaning their way gets there. But, uh, you know, it's, it's still uh, a lot of people, I think, more so than normal, are, are still undecided. And, um, you know, there could be people that wait till they're standing in front of the ballot before they make up their minds. But, uh, you know, I think if there were going to be any shifts anywhere, uh, we would have seen them. And the only shifts we've seen so far during the whole campaign are to the NDP and the bloc and away from the Liberals and Conservatives. Yeah. Now, what do you make of the number of Canadians who went out and voted in the advance polls? 4.7 million, which is up significantly over the 2015 election. Does that mean people are just getting it out of the way early, or is it a sign that voter turnout could be higher overall? Yeah, I I don't read that much into it, Mark, because it seems to me that a lot of it is just our culture of convenience. You know, Elections Canada has made it easier for people to vote over the years, 
Um, you know, the, the advanced polls were open for, what, four days. Uh, that made it very simple for people to do it. And if you don't want to line up or you think you might be busy on Election Day or something like that, it's quite easy to get in and vote in the advanced poll. But I, I kind of feel it's more – I know that for us it was kind of, well, oh, it's just convenient. We're going by that place on that day, so let's drop in and vote. Uh, and get it out of the way. Um, so I, I suspect it's it's as much that as anything else. I mean, I, I don't, you know, if people were storming the battlements, waving torches, and demanding that the uh, lords be hauled out of the castle and, and beaten up on the roads, uh, we would have seen that in the polls. But right now, liberals are still supporting liberals and conservatives, conservatives, etc. And, and uh, I don't think there's a mass protest vote going on in the country. I mean, I could be wrong, uh, but uh, if, if that's the case, then every single poll in the country is wrong, too. So just a final thought on where we stand, Dan. Uh, I think a lot of people are saying it, it looks very likely that there will be a minority parliament after the election. Does that make it uh, very likely that Justin Trudeau will still be prime minister? Because Jagmeet Singh and Elizabeth May have been explicit about uh, the fact that they won't support Andrew Scheer and the Conservatives. Yeah, that's what they're explicit about today. Um, but, you know, will they be that explicit when it comes down to actually making deals, um, you know, with the various parties? And I noticed Andrew Scheer had literally a laundry list of, of uh, sort of comfort food for Quebec voters yesterday, um, obviously making a pitch to that uh, Quebec Bleu vote that uh, will flirt with voting conservative or the bloc. So, um, you know, I think Scheer uh, is seeing where his support has been eroding, has been going to the to the block, um, and they've been trying to woo them back, but it sounds like a really a, a lot too late and way too little. Uh, and I think Quebec voters have heard all this before, and, and they may be just looking for somewhere. And let's face it, you know, Quebecers can pack their votes with the BQ without deep and lasting consequences. That's been shown over and over, and that could be happening again this time. Wanted to get your thoughts as well, Dan, on the big international story that uh, um, is playing out uh, in Turkey and Syria. And uh, now Canada has suspended new export permits to Turkey. What do you think happens next in terms of Canada's involvement in this international situation? Well, you know, we're really on the sidelines of that whole thing, Mark. Uh, You know, Canada, like Turkey, is a member of NATO and like the United States. So Canada, I'm sure, will be very careful to make sure that it is uh, living up to every aspect of our international treaties. But, um, you know, this, you know, sh- uh, slowing down export permits and things like that are very, very mild uh, measures. And I don't think you could expect much more until there's a government that's firmly in office and sworn in that has some sort of a foreign policy. Um, and I don't know, you know, other than on the humanitarian side, um, you know, the Canadian role in, in, in Syria, at least, has been very modest, and it likely will remain that way, just because there isn't that much we can do. I mean, if, if the Turks and, and everybody is fighting, uh, that is, there's no scope at all for Canada to get in there, and I'm sure they will have, uh, you know, testy words with the Turkish ambassador, but I don't think uh, the Turks could care less what we think. And, um, you know, they're going to go about what they're doing. So this is really uh, a United States, yet another, you know, 
horrible uh, gaffe by Trump and uh, that is leading to pain and suffering elsewhere in the world. But uh, Canada, be wise to stay on the sidelines of this as long as possible. All right, Dan, great to have your thoughts on all these topics. Thank you for joining us today. Okay, Mark. Talk to you soon. That's Dan Legere, author and op-ed columnist for the Chronicle Herald. Our history is one where so many of the things that we're proud of happened when you voted, when people voted for more New Democrats. Our healthcare system was only possible because Tommy Douglas fought for it. Now, let's take a look at what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At globalnews.ca, Charles Adler argues that while minority governments can do some good, they can also spell trouble. Adler writes, In the 1960s, a minority government gave us health care and a pension plan. But there is one potentially dangerous outcome to such a government. If the Liberals win fewer seats than the Conservatives and neither are in majority territory, the Liberals could deal with the NDP, the Greens, and even with the Bloc, and that could be dangerous for national unity. Many in the West would feel they have been screwed one time too many, and it would pump up the volume on Western separatism. In the National Post, John Iveson argues, Canada is too big and diverse to be governed by one-size-fits-all solutions. Iveson writes, Justin Trudeau has a more invasive view of the role of the federal government in areas of provincial jurisdiction than any of his immediate predecessors. The problem is that elections are won and lost in Ontario and Quebec. So the concerns of the Liberal Party in particular are dictated by the interests of those provinces. The great unifier, elected to forge consensus and bridge divides, has bequeathed a Canada of fresh regional and cultural estrangements. In the Globe and Mail, Lawrence Martin argues, to watch the Canadian election campaign, you would hardly know Donald Trump existed. Martin writes, Trump's protectionist presidency is so impactful here, but U.S. affairs have been in the background primarily because of Justin Trudeau's call not to highlight his bilateral work. And Andrew Scheer has avoided Trump like he's a carrier of some kind of rare disease. One leader who has spoken out against him is Jagmeet Singh, but because he won't be forming a government, the NDP leader doesn't have to fear repercussions from the insult king. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau will be campaigning in a number of different areas in Quebec. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer will start the day in Saint-Jérôme, Quebec, and then travel to Essex and Ancaster, Ontario. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will visit local businesses and attend a rally in Montreal. And Green Party leader Elizabeth May will make an announcement in Victoria, British Columbia. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, October 16th. Tune into CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for coverage of the federal election campaign. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.